We're going to have a great time here tonight. First Thessalonians 5.18, Scripture tells us, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. Concerning you. And it's not hard to think of things that we lack. And it wouldn't take a long time to create a list of things that we feel are missing or that we want or we desire to have in this life. But what would that list do for us? What, what good would it do? What would making that list change anything in our life here today? I think it would only leave us continually desiring more despite what we already have. And I don't know about you today, but I'm content. I'm content. God has done so much for me. I can't tell it all. Now, if we make a list of all the good things in our lives, would that impact anything? And if we recount the blessings and provision, the miracles and the victories that we've had in our lives, what effect would that have in the house today? Could being thankful and having gratitude change us in this house today? The Hebrew term for gratitude is hakarah hatov, which literally translates to recognizing the good. Recognizing the good. Being thankful and having gratitude, it affirms us. It affirms us. Being thankful and displaying gratitude, it has a way of multiplying. It's contagious. I want to be around people that have a thankful and attitude of gratitude. Amen? And as we profess the goodness of the Lord and all that he has done for us, the more reasons we can find to be thankful in the house today. And there are many reasons to be thankful in this house. Think of all the things that God has done for us. What he's kept us from. What he's delivered us from. Where he's brought us to. And what he's provided to us and blessed us with in this house today. And if you ask me for, for what I'm thankful for, I'm not thankful for anything material or temporal. I'm thankful for the internal. Eternal here today. That's not just a throwaway statement. It's not casual. It's not flippant. My answer is I'm thankful for God. I'm thankful for God. It's that simple. I'm thankful for God. He saw fit to go to a cross that I may live, that you may live. I'm thankful today for my relationship with him that I have. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my friends. I'm thankful for my pastor and first lady and the great leadership the Lord has blessed this assembly here in this city. I'm thankful for my church. My church. Is anybody thankful for their church here today? God is worthy of our gratitude. And expressing being thankful is to God is to our benefit. Consider this. Even in the moments when gratitude doesn't come naturally to us, it is still accomplishing a dual purpose. In other words, it is for our good as well as for his glory. So that's exactly what we're going to do here tonight. We have representatives coming to speak who are thankful in the house. Thankful for joy. They're thankful for healing. Thankful for family and thankful for salvation. So we're going to recognize the good as we hear what Lord has done in their life. And as your faith begins to build, I encourage you to outwardly express that by lifting up of hands with a shout and a clap and saying amen. We are thankful in this house. Amen. Let's clap together and thank the Lord right now.
Praise the Lord, everybody. Okay, I am thankful for joy. Very, very, very thankful for joy. Before I get into this message, I just want to make one thing clear. Joy doesn't come easily to me. I'm not coming to you tonight as a person that's always happy, you know, no problems in the world, you know, fine, day to day, fine, you know. On a real note, I feel most days I'm genuinely just surviving. (laughs) On an even more real note, I can't tell you how many times I've searched ways to become a happier person on Google. Has anybody else done that? Actually, don't raise your hand. (laughs) It's pretty pitiful. (laughs) I can tell you exactly what pops up. There are things like um, self-care routines and exercise and eating healthier, which just won't work because I like chocolate way too much. There was one that said, smile more. Like, okay, smile more. I've got two kids under two, one of which sleeps on average three hours a night, and you want me to smile more? Like, if it works for you and you do all these things, great, keep doing it, you know, keep on going, you know. But um, I just need something that's going to keep me and sustain me. (laughs) I can't tell you how many Bible plans on joy I've completed. (laughs) Bible plans are great, by the way. They've got one for everything. But after all that I've read and all that I've learned, one thing I can tell you is joy is almost always produced with a thankful heart. If you're ever having a hard time finding joy, let me break it down for you. I'm going to get into three points that everyone can be thankful about, no matter your situation or your circumstance. One, joy is a settled conviction about God. About God. I am thankful to serve a God that is before me, behind me, and beside me. (laughs) I've got a little bit of scripture to back me up. John 16.33 says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Key words, I have overcome the world. What does this mean? Every problem you face, every situation that seems unbearable, everything that stands in your way, Jesus has already overcome it. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Psalm seventy-three twenty-six. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. John fourteen twenty-seven. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Ecclesiastes three eleven says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. If we believe the word to be true, which we do, then we must believe that God is for us. God has complete control of our day-to-day. And I don't know about you, but I find major assurance in this. Literally everything God knows, he plans, he provides, he leads, his hand is in it all. And that is in, in itself is a perfect reason to be thankful. Two, having confidence in God. I'm thankful to serve a God who knows all. Because when I think I know it all, which is very easy for me to do. I think of the time that he challenged Job. He said to him, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. (laughs) That'll humble you right there. God's way is better than our way. 
If you find it hard to find confidence in God, just recall how many times he's rescued you in the past, how many times he's brought you out. For me, it's been many, many, many times. My confidence in God is growing as I trust that he's working behind the scenes to fit all the details of my life in his good plan. And I'm thankful that it isn't all up to me. I'm thankful that he's working all things for my good. I've got a little story to kind of tie into this, okay? One of my sisters, Amara, just started college this fall. (laughs) And I'm just going to say it. Amara's the smartest one out of all four of us. She just is. She's just got it. Okay. My mom used to take us to the library when we were younger um, to do our homework after school. And Amara was probably about eight years old. And I'm sitting there. She walks up to me. She says, what's my social security number? And I'm like, I don't know my social security number. Like, why do you want to know? Amara was filling out college applications on the library's computer. (laughs) She had been filling them out all afternoon. Places like Yale and Harvard and Rose Holman. And I'm like, okay, like, this girl's crazy. She's absolutely crazy. I remember thinking that. Like, I remember the moment. Fast forward 10 years. After being accepted into 11 different colleges, (laughs) she just completed her first semester at Rose. And a couple weeks ago, a girl received the gift of the Holy Ghost in her dorm room. Yeah. So, I mean, long story short, you can't tell me that God's hand wasn't in it. You know, that's just one of the few times that he intervened in my life and in my sister's lives and in my family's life. And I'm confident in his works. Three, joy is a determined choice to give praise to God. I'm thankful for the opportunity to choose to praise him. I used to believe that I needed to feel differently before I could think differently, but actually it's reversed. Our thinking changes first, our actions come next, and then our feelings follow. If you are going to experience joy in this lifetime, there's only one possible way. You have to choose it. You will have to choose it in spite of unbelievable circumstances. When we choose joy, we're choosing to grow in the heart's attitudes of grace, trust, balance, acceptance, positive thoughts, love, empathy, appreciation. Let's choose to find the joy in our everyday lives and genuinely praise God for the good. Even if it seems like the bad outweighs the good, he's still to be praised. And I'm thankful that I have the ability to sing and dance and offer up every praise that I have to God. So simply, I'm thankful for joy. I'm thankful for the ability to obtain joy through Jesus Christ alone. Why is it so important to me? Why do I continue to pursue this topic? Why do I even care? The answer is simple. It is one of the only ways to truly show Christ. What better witness? Think about it. Jesus meets us here, placed with immense suffering, pain, sorrow, betrayal, loss, and became the essence of joy. Jesus came to earth for one reason, which was dying on the cross, yet he came and ate with us and drank with us. And he knew what was coming. He knew what was ahead, but he chose to laugh. He chose to talk with children. He chose to build rich relationships, have meaningful work, and experience joy. This goes to show that you can choose a life of joy while still recognizing sorrow. There was a reason why Jesus chose to endure all that he did. Hebrews 12.2 says, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy before him that was so deep that he was willing to accept torturous death? You. The joy set before him was simply reconciliation with you. Jesus knew 
that for him to fulfill his God-given role here on earth, he would have to experience abandonment, betrayal, death, and yet he chose to live joyfully along with us. That's the story of Christ, and I want to be a part of it. So in conclusion, if everybody can bow their heads with me, I'm going to say a quick prayer. Lord, thank you for showing me that you are a full of joy kind of Savior. Thank you for showing me that even in sorrow I can know blessings and joy and laughter. I choose to live with a grateful heart, eyes wide open to see your goodness. I choose to develop a settled assurance that you are in control of all the details of my life. I choose to be confident that ultimately everything will be all right. And I choose to praise you in all things, even the things that I can't understand. You're worthy of all of our praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Good evening, church. Is there anywhere that you could think that you'd rather be tonight than here? On a Tuesday night? My journey has started a long time ago when we was coming to this church, and it, it didn't actually start with me. It started with my wife and the daycare and our son. He, uh, he went to the daycare, and Cindy Caraway raised my wife and my son before I came along, so... But when they started going there, Cindy kindly asked Darcy all the time to come to church, and she kindly declined. I won't say what she said, but she kindly declined. And after a while, we we met and got married, and about a year later, she was found out she was pregnant with Hadley, and that started our journey. So when we had Hadley, she had a lot of problems. Uh, she had abdominal problems, and they had to do a surgery to rework her stomach. Well, it was an elective surgery. We had to choose to have the surgery. So me and my wife, unbeknowing to us what to do, we chose to have the surgery. And fast forward a little bit, it was she had been in surgery forever, what seemed like. And they said that it was going to be a long time. She was going to have a long recovery and that she was going to be really bruised and discolored when she came out of surgery. When she came out, we, we was really concerned. We called and we're like, what do we do? You know, is, is she okay? And the doctor come out and met with us and he said, there's a little piece of her bowel that's discolored and we're waiting for her to see if her body's going to rejuvenate this piece of her stomach. They went back in, closed her up, and he said, now when she comes out, she's going to be on oxygen. She's going to be delirious. She's... When that baby came out, she was fine. Like nothing happened. So eight days, pastor had preached a message, not last Sunday, Sunday before last, about the eighth day. It was, she was eight days old when he came and prayed for her. He spoke things in my life. I was a very guarded man. I didn't let people in. I lived a little bit rougher life. But when pastor came, he spoke right into my life. He looked at me and told me things in private that me and my wife had talked about. Worries that I had in my life that I didn't know what I was going to do. I was a father raising a son. I was trying to provide for my family. I didn't know what to do. And he said, Mike, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. He prayed. He said, in Jesus' name, I believe within the hour this baby's going to be healed. And he left. Me and my wife went on because it was a, we didn't know about prayer. We thought it was a patty cake prayer. We're like, oh, that was very nice. 
45 minutes after he left the hospital, the nurse called. You guys have to get back. We went to get something to eat. You have to get back. We come back and the nurse had said she'd had her first bowel movement. And that's what we was waiting on so she could eat because at this point she still had never got to eat. And prior to this, my wife, I had to leave her at the hospital. John said when you find a wife, you find a good thing. And I don't know about you men in here, but I upgraded. I married up. I've got a good wife. I definitely married up. I found favor when I found Darcy because I was on a road to nowhere good before I met her. It was probably death or prison before I met Darcy and Connor and changed my life. So when we got the call, we called Cindy. Cindy, the, the baby's healed. She used the restroom. Then they said it's going to be, you know, potentially months. We'll be at the hospital for months. We could potentially be there for six, eight months if she still lived. It still was, had to turn around. We was there a total of 14 days. We got to bring her home on the day she was supposed to be born. And the day that Hadley was born, we had to leave. I had to leave my wife at the hospital regional, and I had to drive to Indianapolis. I beat the helicopter to Riley Children's Hospital. I turned the flashers on, I was gone. They hadn't even named her yet. She was girl hedges when we got to the hospital. And I was so worried that she didn't get a bath. I don't know why I was, I was worried to death that she hadn't been bathed. All I wanted to do was wash her. I was, she's still dirty. She's, I wanted to give her a bath. I don't know. They wouldn't let us touch her at the other hospital. When the air medics came in, it was like something off a Terminator. Me and my wife stood there and you heard the coming down the hallway and there was eight people and nurses and they had a gurney and they had a little bitty incubator on the gurney they said this is where we're going to put Hadley and she's going to be fine and right before they came they let Darcy hold her and I I didn't get a holder I said no you need a holder and I got to go and I went and drove to Riley and it was like a totally different ball game when we got there they had no idea in Terre Haute what to do we get to the hospital and it's we go to this room, there's eight other babies in this room, it's me and my mom, and I get in there and I'm like, nervous wreck, my baby's dying, and she was probably the healthiest baby in that room. There was babies that had been born really early and they had lighting systems on them. It was, it was a terrible situation for those people. I don't know how anybody can survive without this church or a church like it. Everywhere you go, you should witness about this place. I... Anywhere you go, you should talk about this place. In your work day, at your home, in your jobs, at school, everywhere you go, that you should have a word in your mouth about this church. It's the only thing that keeps us. I've been kept by this house. I'm thankful for that man of God in my life. I'm just a plain spoken man. I'm the, I'm, this isn't what I do. I work with my hands. I don't work with my mouth. I, I can't even hardly read this Bible. Most of the stuff, it, I mean, I listen to it more than I read it because it just makes better sense for me that way. But my wife prayed a prayer when she was at the hospital, a covenant prayer that we would have our daughter at this house or a house like it every day if God would save her. 
And I'm thankful to say that I'm very grateful for her to do that. And she has raised two wonderful children. I've probably messed them up a little bit. I'm just going to be honest. I'm just going to be honest. So I have thankful that they're both involved. My son is very involved in music. I couldn't be prouder of him. And, ha- and Hattie is starting to blossom into a beautiful young lady, and she is involved and encouraged to be involved in church. She's going to sing. She's going to be a worship singer on this platform someday, I believe it. And I, I do have a prayer. I would like to close with a prayer for the church. I pray and that everyone in this house would have uninhibited worship. I pray, Lord, against the things, the white noise in our life that bind us up. I pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes to what we're supposed to be doing in this house. It's been spoken over this house more than one time about a powder keg that is coming. And I'm praying over the powder keg that if we would get ready, if we want a healing in this house, that we have to get ready. I pray over the powder keg that the fuse is lit. I pray over it that every seat in this house would have uninhibited worship. I pray for a fire to be lit. If you can lift a hand, lift a hand. If you can run an aisle, please run an aisle. Whatever you can do to get into this house and do something for God, that's what we need to do. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I am thankful for this church. I'm thankful for my pastor and my daughter and my family. I've been kept by this house in multiple ways. I'm thanking you, Lord. I pray over this place. I pray everywhere we would go, we would have a word in our mouth. I pray every person that we'd come in contact with, Lord, that we would witness to them, Lord. I pray over the goodness of God. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Dios los bendiga, hermanos. Praise the Lord, brothers and sisters. <laughs> Amen. God is good. Yes, He is. And um, when sometimes we, when we say in other church, God is good, the people say all the time, God is good. Okay? Yes, because God is good. So I am here. My English is limited. So I grow all what I can. I want to say from my heart to you. Um, I want to read a verse, but I want to uh, say this in Spanish first, and then later in English. So, dad gracias en todo porque esto es la voluntad de Dios para con nosotros en Cristo Jesús. Está en Primera de Tesalonicenses 5:18. Give thanks in everything because this is will of God for us in Jesus. It's good for us in Jesus Christ. Amen. First of Thessalonians. Um, I am thankful to God for his many favors and mercies towards all my family, husband, sons, daughter, daughter-in-laws, and grandson. My, my beautiful grandson is over there. He can say, hi, Grandma. <laughs> well, so, not only to do, I can thank God for all the good that he has given us, which is a lot. But I say, thank God for the struggles 
it's important to us to say thank God, thank God for all the struggles in your life, in our lives. It's not only for the good things, because we have enough. We have a lot. We have too much, right? But what happened when? So we need to learn to thank God for all the struggles, trials, and afflictions. Because even through this, having painful, they are also where we have seen the most and feel his powerful hand over our lives. You know, it's hard to say that. But now I learn. When I've been in struggles and painful and difficulties, I, I, I really feel the hand of God on my life. I can see the hand of God in the life of my family. Because we know are perfect. We know are. But God is good and He is perfect. And His love is perfect. When we are in the middle of the difficulties, it's difficult to give thanks and raise our hands in gratitude. It's hard. I remember like a two years ago, two years ago, when we've been in a very hard time. It was so, so hard to me to put my hands up and say, thank God. So I just cry and cry and cry. And my husband said, why do you not start to say thank God? And I say, I told, I respond to my husband. I say, why? Oh, look what what uh, is happening around of us, around of my family now. Why why I need to say thank God? But he said, but you need it. You need to do that. It's because he is God. Yes. And when he told me that, I just put my hands up and I say, thank God for these struggles. Thank God for these hard times. I don't know why. I didn't understand why you do or you permit all these uh, things to ha- happen to us. But he knows everything. And sometimes we need it. Amen? So, but we just have to stop a bit and think about his protection, provision, and strength, which have been so real in our lives. Those hopeless times are where we grow spiritually. Yes, as trees from time to time are prone to bear better fruit. So, we're, so we sometimes need to be prone. God needs to remove bad attitudes from each of us. And we need to be prone in, or prone in order to bear better spiritual fruits or fruit. There is no, we no have no way to pay in God for his great love for giving us in his life and that cross. And that cross. But if there is a way to honor him for all that he has given us and it is by praising him with our voice and, and way of living. It's important to us. It's not only with, with our voice. It's, we need to show around the people around, around of us that we are, we are living gratitude to God because He is good with us, because He is real. 
Sometimes I hear people from other places to say, oh, I know God. I know his, God is good. I pray in all the time. But their lives, you can, you can, it's just, you can see God, you cannot, uh, I, don't, I don't know what I say, see God on their lives. And how important it is to people show God, uh, we can show God in our lives. Is that the, the other way we can say thank God because you love us. Thank God, thank God because I try to live for you. It's hard in this time, but we can do that. We can do that. I can, you can do that too. Amen. Um, so, um, A few weeks ago, I, I went to visit one of my sons in San Antonio, Texas. I took the opportunity to be in a Spanish lady conference. Then back home and after being in a sunny city and meditating on the wonderful things that God did for me on this trip, upon arriving at the airport, I observed, I observed outside it is raining and cold. When the weather changes are so different, we, when the weather changes are so different, we commonly complain about it. Or if we are in the cold place, even in a warm place, we also complain. But when I saw and feel this change in the weather, it didn't bother me. On the contrary, I feel so blessed. I saw everything beautiful. And I could only say thank God for this Indiana weather. Yes. Yes. I were, I were born in Mexico City. So Mexico City all the time is the same weather. You know, it's cold in the night, warm in the, during the day. In winter, you only use a, you know, a light jacket, and that's it. And, um, but when we move here, the weather is, you know, it's too cold. But I'm so happy to be here. So when, when I came from San Antonio this um, two or three weeks ago, and I saw this weather, you know, yes, I feel so thankful. I feel like uh, Indiana is my house, my home. It made me, it made me feel and see how blessed I am, I am to be in a place where God put me next to my husband, now with two of my children, surrounded by brothers and sisters in Christ. There is no need to complain when God has been so wonderful. No. Giving us, he, he giving, giving us life and health above all allowing us to have a place to praise him and listen to his word. We call have everything good according to us and be in a beautiful place with the right weather. In be, even if we can, we could be, we can have everything good according to us and be in a beautiful place with the right weather, we can be ungrateful. 
I don't want to be that person. I want to be happy. I want to be living joy. I choose for that. I choose to be happy, sister. I choose to live in to live in joy. I don't want to be ungrateful. I raise my hands and I say thank God for Pastor Harpo and his beloved wife and family. Thank God for his for New Life Church and Nueva Vida Church. Thank you, uh, thank you, and thank God for my family. I thankful for the salvation in my, of my soul. He is the only great God. Let us be grateful for everything. Amen. So I invited you to pull your hands up, come and raise your hands, and say thank God for everything. I want to say this in Spanish. Señor Jesús, gracias, Dios Todopoderoso, porque tú has sido bueno, porque tú has sido grande, Señor. Gracias, Señor. Gracias por todo lo que tú me das, por todo lo que tú me provees, por todo lo que tú nos has bendecido. Bendice a mis hermanos y hermanas en el nombre de Jesús. Amén. God bless you, brothers. Praise the Lord, church. Do you all realize how hard this is? When you, I started putting this together, and of course, I'm old school, I have paper, but uh, things just start flooding into your mind of how good Jesus is when you try to put it down. In all honesty, I spent about three hours trying to get about four pages, but I kept getting sidetracked because this would pop in. It's like, does this fit with what I'm trying to say? Nope. This pops in. So it was really difficult to get what I'm going to tell you here tonight on this paper. So I hope you understand what I'm trying to say here tonight. But it's going to be a little bit of history about me. I made it personal. And I've titled this tonight, Thanksgiving Forever Changed. Okay. So, you know, work with me on this and we'll get through this. And I think you'll be blessed. All right. Okay. So when I first started thinking about this, I, I'm kind of musical, old school music. I, my wife gets mad at me because I like quartet music, the old quartet music and things. But um, a couple of old songs that we used to sing way back when I first started going to church was, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me. You all remember that one? Yeah. That came immediately to my mind, um, and Crystal's grandfather, uh, Clyde Liffick, he, he loved that song as well, and you, when, if you, we'd always sit around him at church, and he would sing that at the top of his lungs, and it was the greatest thing. I mean, it, you know, the doodad would go up on the back of your neck, and when you just truly think about what Jesus has done, it's just hard to contain it. I mean, it really is. It's just so hard to contain it. But I'm going to try here, so, and I can't promise I won't cry because there's some pretty personal stuff here that I'm going to tell you tonight, so if I do, bear with me, I'll, I'll do my best, okay? So, I'm Craig Todd, hello, 
I'm, I'm from Montezuma, Indiana, a little town north of here. Um, grew up there many years. My family still lives there, and it's home. Terre Haute is my residence, but Montezuma is my home. Little river town, and I grew up there going to a Presbyterian church. Okay, so as a child, my, my parents, we didn't always get there, but as often as we could, we would go and made sure that I got a start with the Lord. You all know that's not anything like this church. Not anything. Nobody said anything when you went to church, except the pastor and maybe the choir. That's it. Okay, but, but it, it got me started. It, it put something in me that got me started with the Lord. So I am thankful for that tonight. So as I developed and, you know, went through, through my life, I graduated high school and I went on to Indiana State University to study accounting. And I, I say those are my bad years is what I call them because the years that I attended Indiana State, went to college and first started working here in town, I didn't go to church. I dropped that. I filled it with worldly things. Um, I tried to forget that, but I was the truly the carnal man. As long as I was going out with friends and doing things that I shouldn't have been doing, but as long as I was doing that, I felt like, or I thought I was happy. But there was always those nights that I would come home to my apartment, and I would be all alone, and it hurt. It was dark, in all honesty. And I kept thinking, what is this? Is this really what life is all about? That there's this heaviness, that there's this darkness, what is this? I, I had no idea what it was. Well, fast forward a couple years, and I've been working for a couple years, and my life was about to be changed for, forever. Um, this young lady came to me at my job and said, hey, what are you doing tonight? Or this week, it was Friday night. What are, we, what are you doing Friday night? I said, well, probably going to go hang out with some friends. And she had her hair nice and long. She wore skirts all the time. I thought, what's this all about? She said, hey, we're having a revival service at our church. Why don't you come and check it out? Revival, what's that? So she said, just come check it out, and, and you'll get an understanding of what it is. So here I was. Do I go to church for a revival, which I had no idea what it was, because we didn't have revivals in our Presbyterian church. We had church on Sunday, Sunday morning, and that was it. Okay, so I was weighing the options. Do I go out? I, in, my, in all honesty, my thinking was, well, if it doesn't go well, I'll go out afterwards because <laughs> there will be time. Surely it will be out in an hour, and I can go out with my friends or whatever after that. So lo and behold, I did go to that revival service. And yes, it was different. The evangelist he yelled a lot. He danced around a lot. And the people stood up. The people moved around. The people said amen. They threw their hands up. And when I was done with that service, people come up to me and say, well, what would you think? Are you excited? It's like, yeah, I think. I don't know. What just happened? <laughs> I really didn't know. But it didn't scare me. It didn't scare me away. And I decided I needed to learn more about this. So through my wife, 
she kept inviting me to church, and I kept going. And something got inside of me as a result of that, that I had this desire. I really didn't know what it was. I was still learning, but it was coming. The Lord was working on me. And through this process, um, I think my in-laws, that when I first started going to church, they knew that I didn't have a background in the church, but they wanted to help me to, you know, get as much of this as I possibly could. So they said, hey, you know, like on Monday nights, why don't you come over and we'll have a Bible study? It's like, what's a Bible study? What's that? So I said, sure. And at the time, obviously, Crystal and I were kind of trying to date or whatever you want to call it. So it's like, I'll get to see her and we'll have a Bible study. So, hey, that'll work too, right? So, so we went over there and they started showing me the Acts 2.38 message. And I don't know if anybody else that's new to this faith or has just came in, I immediately raised my hand and I said, okay, I went to a Presbyterian church and they said they were right. I have relatives that are Catholic. They say they're right. I've been to a Baptist church. They say they're right. So why is this right? What's different about it? What's right? And Mike looked me square in the face and he said, you're right. Everybody thinks they're right. But let's look at the word right here in the Bible and see what it says. And that changed everything. And Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Although I was 20 years in my 20s at the time that we had this Bible study, I was just a child in the Lord. And I can honestly say that was the starting point to get me to where I am today in the Word and attending this church. Sister Karen was also involved when we finished that Bible study. She saw to give me a card, and in that um, card she quoted Matthew 5, 6, that said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. She encouraged me to keep studying the word, and God would give you the revelation. And I say, thank you, Jesus, for putting people in my life to help me. So we continue to study the word and do things and I, during this time, I was able to get baptized in Jesus' name. Again, I'm, and all, I'm being honest and transparent. I really didn't understand it. I didn't know why I had to be baptized. I mean, I was reading the Word, but I didn't really understand it. I didn't have that revelation yet. But it was coming. It was coming. So, lo and behold, I had been seeking. I got baptized, and everybody had been telling me I needed the Holy Ghost. If someone tells you you need the Holy Ghost, you want it, right? To be saved, you got to have the Holy Ghost. Okay, I want it. But I couldn't get it. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. What seemed like months and months. It may have been only a few weeks. I don't know. But it seemed like months and months. Um, I really wanted it. I didn't understand exactly why. But I knew I needed it to make it to heaven. So our, our pastor at the time called a prayer meeting. And he said, you know, come. We're going to pray. Nothing specific, we're just going to pray, pray for our church, pray for our community. And I remember kneeling down at the time they had the old pews. I kneeled down and just began to pray, just as I always had been praying. And 
kind of a, a dark feeling came over me, and I just started crying, and I couldn't really understand other than I could, in my mind, I could feel, Lord, I don't want to die. If I was to go today, I'm going to die from what your word has told me. That's hard. And I just started weeping. And then it's right there in, a, in that second when I said that. The next thing I know, I woke up underneath the pew speaking in tongues on a Wednesday night prayer or on a Monday night prayer meeting. So I would say anybody here tonight that is seeking the Holy Ghost, don't give up. It's for you. It's for whoever will. Just keep seeking after him, and he, in his time, he will give you the Holy Ghost. So keep, keep searching. And again, I say thank you, Jesus, for the Holy Ghost. Well, I, I would like to say that's the end of my story, but we're just getting started. Okay, so as life continues on, Crystal and I had got married, and we'd had a couple kids, and we continued on, and... Things were clicking by, and things seemed pretty good, so I thought. But as you get older, as all of you know that are parents, responsibility grows. And as a man, you are the head of your house. You need to provide for your family. So let's fast forward 23 years. We faithfully attend a church, but things begin to change. Unfortunately, things change. I don't know what happened. The love that we felt before, the compassion that we felt, was gone. We were lost. We were hurting. And as a husband, as the leader of our family, I didn't really know why. I didn't understand why. All I know is I was still going to church. I was still hearing God's word. But something was different. So, it... it, I even went to Crystal's grandfather that I had a utmost respect for, and he would always tell me straight up whatever, if it didn't like it, it didn't matter, he would tell you. And I said, hey, you know, something's happening here. What's going on? What, what do we need to do? You know, we just don't understand it. And he said, Craig, I'm going to tell you what. The only thing you can do is pray. The Lord will show you in time what the situation is, what needs done. So as a family, that's what we did. We prayed. Lord, help us. Whatever your will is, help us. Show us. And that's what we did. So this went on for a little while. And this is where it gets a little hard. One night, I went to bed, and for whatever reason, I looked at the clock, and it said 11.23 p.m. as I laid my head on the pillow. I quickly fell asleep as I always do, you know, a busy day, whatever, and just fell asleep. And I was awoke by a huge bright light, just blinding like you're looking right into the sun, so much that I felt myself go like this because it was hurting my eyes. It was that bright. And, you know, I thought I woke woke up, (laughs) but it was different. There was pain, there was darkness, there was mourning. And, and this figure in the light looked at me and said, It is done. It is death. A soul is lost. And immediately I shot straight up out of bed, just 
crying, I mean, just tears rolling down my face. And I, I didn't know what to think other than, oh, thank goodness, it was just a bad dream. You know, nothing, nothing happened. Don't think anything of it. Just roll over, go back to sleep. So that's what I did. Put my, I laid back down. And immediately, the bright light came again and looked at me and said, Craig, that is not a dream. I am speaking to you. This is your family. If you do not do something immediately, this is the fate of your family. You will be lost. You will be dead. You will be gone. You need to do something to find love again and compassion for your family. So, again, again, we had been praying, and I truly believe this was from the Lord because I got up to tell my wife what just happened. And I looked at the clock, and the clock said 11.23 p.m. So I went and told her, and immediately we started making arrangements to find another church where we could have love and compassion that we knew was for us and our children. And two weeks later, we ended up here in October of 2011, where the love has always, always from day one been upon us. With no doubt, it's just been upon us. So... I tell you that not to, you know, not a bad story or anything. I tell you that because for new people here, I want to say, you know, God hears your prayers, hears your cries in those dark hours. It doesn't matter the circumstances. He has it in his hand. And just trust in him and he will take care of you. He will not forsake you. He has it in his hand. So I have to do this, and I hate saying names, but when Crystal and I first came here, we were broken. We were, we were, I don't have a better word, but broken. We came, when we first started coming, we would come to the front, and we would pray. and People would gather around us and pray and help us, but we had to rebuild. We had to gain our strength back. And there were some families here that helped us do that. They came to us. We didn't seek them out. They came and made us a part of this family. But I, I have to say, Tony, Tony and Autumn Cornwell, Jessica and Jason McMurrow, and at the time, Doug and Mary Bells, they came every Sunday. They saw us out. Every Sunday. How, how was your week? How, you know, how, what's going on? Hey, let's go out tonight and have dinner. What are you doing on Saturday? We're going to do this. Why don't you come over and do this? Or you would get a text or a call. How's your day going? The love in this place is like no other. We cannot take it for granted. We cannot take it for granted, church. Because he, I mean, the love here is like you'll never find anywhere else. So finally... I'm, I'm sorry I'm long-winded here tonight, but it's not just for us. It's, as I said, for whosoever will. A few weeks ago, not that long ago, we had a special service here. An evangelist was here. 
I think Pastor even called him a prophet, and I forget his name. I apologize. But we were going to have a healing service in this house. Okay? So just a few short weeks ago, my dad was diagnosed with cancer, with colon cancer. And he went in to have surgery, and they said it was inoperable. So, you know, that's the worst news you could possibly have. So my daughter, Cheryl Lynn, just felt upon herself to, to reach out to them and said, hey, you need to be here Sunday night, and we're going to pray. And they came. My mom and dad, they came. And when it was time, the evangelist called everybody to the front that needed special healing in their body. And my dad made his way to the front, right here in the very front. We all laid hands on him. And he said, after it was over, he said, something happened. Something happened. What was it, Dad? I don't know, but something happened. And while he was standing here, a man that has never, he has not been baptized in Jesus' name. He has not been in an apostolic church, but he spoke in tongues right here at the altar. So how can I not be thankful for what the Lord has done? He brought me from a place when I was living in the world to a church of knowing the truth. He's blessed me beyond measure with a family that is top-notch. Friends and family of this church that show me love like no other in this whole world. And all I can say is, church, I'm thankful and forever changed. Praise the Lord. I don't know about you, but I love hearing about the goodness of God. He is so good, and his mercies endureth forever. Great is thy faithfulness. I have much to be thankful for. I am thankful for my husband and my children, thankful for our health, and that we are all in this house here tonight. What I am most thankful for is a new beginning. Each of us in here have a story. Sitting among us, there are stories of divine intervention, stories of deliverance, stories of redemption, and stories of being kept. This is simply my story. Appearances are often not at all what they seem. I stand before you as the testament of God's goodness, His grace, and his mercy. I am a testament of his unfailing love towards us. There was a day in which I was the most unlikely of people, very different from what you see now. I was not raised knowing this great gospel. I did not know that there was a God who loved me so much that he was willing to suffer on a cross for me. I did not know that my Savior's name was Jesus. I come from a place of brokenness and heartache, a place of shame and rejection, carrying the wounds, the scars, and the branding of this world. 
To this day, I can remember feeling the desperation and the hopelessness that there was no end for the situation in which I was in. It was a situation far beyond my control and certainly not my doing. What I did not realize was that God was already in the midst of it all. He had divinely ordered my steps to cross paths with an apostolic woman whom I had worked with. Whenever we would work together, she would speak of God's love, and she would speak of his faithfulness. Sadly, I can tell you her words were not always well received. Truthfully, I did not want to hear what she had to say. But she did not give up on me. When most would have and probably should have, she did not. She continued to show me kindness when it certainly was not deserved. But more importantly, she stood firm on what she believed. She did not back down and she did not waver on the word of God. When I had hit rock bottom, the lowest of moments, she was there with open arms and an invitation to a Sunday morning service. Reluctantly, I agreed. I can clearly recall not wanting to go that morning. I was embarrassed and I was ashamed. My coworker lived a, a holy lifestyle. She was a godly woman and I was the furthest thing from it. I was going to be noticed and not in the best of ways. That terrified me. Would I be judged? Would I be welcomed? What would people be saying? But even further, would God even want me? Taking a small side note, if this is you, if this is only your first or second time here with us, whether online or in person, and you can relate to these words, I assure you, yes, God wants you. Jeremiah 31.3 says that he loves you with an everlasting love. His mercy and grace is for you. Despite my fears and uncertainty, I left compelled to go. An unexplainable drawing, I just couldn't, I couldn't back out. Thinking of this moment, I am so thankful that I pushed through my emotions and I decided to go. Little did I know that this was a defining moment in my life and everything was about to change. The Spirit of God moved in the service, much like what we experience here at New Life. Having this as my first encounter to any form of church, it was incredibly overwhelming. I did not understand much of service at all. But thanks be to God, He knew exactly what I needed, and he met me right where I was. It was during altar call. I sat in my seat reading the title of the message. I read it over and over and over as the people around me prayed. It read, The choices you make today are the hinges to your doorways of tomorrow. I did not understand the message that was preached, but I understood the title. I went home with those words echoing in my mind. If I continued to live the life that I was living, the path I was destined, I knew it. It was just a matter of time. But what if? What if there was more? What if my life actually had purpose? 
what if God really did love me? And what if there really was a possibility of hope? Thank you, Jesus. I soon found my answer. Two weeks later, just shy of turning 20, I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins. In that moment, the weight and the heaviness of what I had been carrying for so long had been washed away. I was made new, given an opportunity to move forward, leave my past behind, and to turn a new page. I was given a new beginning. I stand before you thankful to be called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I stand before you thankful to be a first-generation apostolic who has been grafted into the body of Christ. I stand before you thankful for my salvation.